Oh, shoot. Yo, yo, yo. I'm preaching today, y'all. Get your, get yourselves ready. I should get myself ready. I'm not ready at all. Hello, you lot. I'm HL, and this is my podcast. Just like Jesus. <laughs> Finally found a place for my pop filter to live. So that's pretty interesting. Alright, y'all. Um, I... What do I even want to cover right now? Where do I even start? So... This... Podcast is about to take... Yes, cat. A pretty different trajectory than I thought it would. Um... I don't want to say that I have, like, rededicated my life to Christ or what have you, but I certainly have, uh, re-identified my identity in Christ. So I, I believe that Christ is an everyday pursuit, right? So I think that you, you basically give yourself to Christ every day that you wake up and decide to follow him. So I don't want to say that I have uh rededicated my life to christ because i feel like i do that every day but um papa and i have had a pretty big breakthrough and um my life is taking some dramatic shifts think of it as like an addict hitting rock bottom and realizing that they need to get sober that's what i'm in the middle of right now so it's pretty cool it's a lot. There's a lot going on, and I'm going to share a bunch of that testimony in the next episode, but for right now, so I have two episodes planned because I, I haven't been consistent in posting, so I just need to get it together. So this episode is scripted. I have stuff written down. For the first time in like a long time, I have stuff written down, and I swear I am preaching today, y'all. So I... I'm sorry in advance because a lot of this is going to sound pretty didactic and I don't like to think of fellowship and Christianity in that way. I don't like to think of, you know, you listen to one guy on a stage and that's the end all be all, but I'm definitely going to, I'm going to preach my heart today um, because this has been sitting with me for a while now. And then in the next episode, I'm going to, I'm just going to share a lot of encouragement because the last couple of weeks have been both really terrible and like fearfully wonderful so I want to share a little bit of that and then kind of what I've been learning through it so I yeah I'm gonna start um with a quote what come here come here hi I was given a quote not too long ago from yeah I was from a dear friend of mine and he got it from from a teacher and it's humility is being known for who you are and it struck me and I I wasn't sure what it was about it that that struck me that like took me through a loop or or what but I I felt really inclined to look into humility what it is how we practice it so today I'm going to talk about humility so the 
like dictionary definition of humility is a modest or low view of one's importance. And so I want to point out here that there's a difference between like low self-esteem and humility. So low self-esteem is thinking that you're not worthy or seeing yourself as less than or, um, you know, putting others not putting others before yourself because that's what you want to do, but because you put yourself in such a low place that others have no choice but to be over you. But humility is, is knowing your value and your worth and still putting others above yourself. Choo-choo! That's a Friday commuter rail choo-choo. Can you tell my windows are open? Goodness. It's summer in Boston. So, let's talk about some examples of humility. So, humility comes in forms of, of servicing others, of being an optimist, of knowing your place, of uh, avoiding arrogance, of listening, acti listening actively, which apparently doesn't include speaking actively, uh, giving others credit, asking for help, asking for advice, wanting to learn, do, and achieve more. So, it's more than just thinking of yourself in a lower position. It's giving of yourself. It's being positive. It's moving through life in a different sense than most people that we know now do. So I wanted to look at what the Bible said about humility. So I'm paper wrestles, paper, paper wrestles, wrestle papers. Paper, paper wrestles. Say that five times fast. I can't even say it once. So I'm, I'm just going to ring off. I don't even know. I probably have half a dozen more um, Bible verses here. You ready? Okay, go. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Therefore, the elect, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another even as christ forgave you so you also must do ephesians 4 1 through 3 i therefore the prisoner of the lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called with all lonely lowliness and gentleness with long suffering bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace james 4 6 but he gives more grace therefore he says god resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Luke 14.11, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted i'd also like to add as a little tidbit here so that was luke 14 11 that i just read but 12 and 14 12 through 14 goes through like this um then he also said to him who invited him capital h when you give a dinner or a supper do not ask your friends your brothers your relatives nor rich neighbors lest they also invite you back and you be repaid but when you give a feast invite the poor the maimed the lame the blind and if you and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you and for 
for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. We're going to put that on the back burner for now. Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Proverbs three thirty four. surely he scorns the scornful but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs eleven two. when pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. So it's obvious that God holds wisdom in really high regard. It's obvious that being humble is being close to God. You know, the holy cleanliness is close to godliness thing. Hum, hum, humbleness, humility, that's what that's called. Hum- <laughs> I speak English. Humility is close to godliness. Of all words that could be used to describe Jesus, humble is one of like the top three you know and i know we do like savior and prince of peace and stuff like that but if you really think about jesus and jesus's character it's the humility that really makes him stand out i mean he builds a longer table instead of a taller wall he sits down with the poor with the dirty with the broken he forgives and sacrifices himself i mean that's the ultimate picture of humility like the the ultimate sacrifice of the lamb is the ultimate picture of humility. He did it for everybody when we weren't worthy. You know, he is the son of the most high God and he humbled himself to, first of all, be with us in the flesh. Secondly, to be with the worst of the worst in the flesh. And then to die for every single one of us. So if you want to talk about humility, you you want to look at Jesus. So the issue I have with this quote, and I'm going to reiterate this for you, is uh, the the quote is, humility is being known for who you are. And the issue I have with this quote is that some people just aren't good people. So we know, <laughs> let's use the Donald as an example. So we know that the Donald is not a nice man. He's not a kind man. He is a man who literally builds walls and refuses to share his table. He's a man that doesn't get down and dirty with the poor and the needy and the sinners, and he's not what we'd consider to be a humble person. But he is very much known for who he is. And unfortunately for us, who he is is the President of the United States. But what I mean is that there's no humility in his character. That he is not a a humble human being, but he is very much known for who he is, what he does, what actions he takes, how he treats people. So in relating this humility to God, understanding that to be humble is to live like Jesus did, um, to to be like Jesus, serving others, giving praise and glory to others, others? That's, yep. Serving others, giving praise and glory to others, being kind, being gentle, always wanting to improve and move forward. And from that, I've deduced that humility isn't about being known for who you are, but it's about being known for who God made you to be. Humility is not about being known for who you are, but it's about living out who God intended you to be. It's being known for who you truly are. So when God created you, he created you in his image and because we know that Jesus is God, we've seen that image and we know that humility that God has. So he planted that in us. So when we truly are who we are, who God created us to be, we have that humility. So humility is being known for walking out God's plan for humanity. Humility is being known for how God sees you. Humility is being known for being like Jesus. Humility is being who God is intends you to be and god literally spells this out for us in so many different ways and of course 
what we find most applicable and understandable at this point in you know 2018 is reflecting on how jesus lived his life so I've, I've talked about that already that you know jesus built a longer table instead of a bigger wall jesus was down and dirty with you know the poor folk and the sinners and so that's that's how it's easiest to relate to our lives because it's easiest to see how jesus treated other people and performed in life and mirror that and live the same way and foster humility and be more like Jesus. But the truth is that this idea actually goes back to Leviticus. So I mentioned before that I am currently doing the evening edition Bible study in at YYM Boston. And so we're going through the Bible chronologically, book by book. And um, what? It's been stunning, to say the very least. And so part of this was kind of rediscovering Leviticus, not as like this droning, horrible, doom book, but rather understanding the context of the history and understanding the context of the people and like actually applying what was said to them, what was said for them to our lives. So there are two things that drive me just like absolutely nuts about Leviticus. And one of them is that we were so fallen at that point that we literally had to be told not to murder people. Like, that just, it bothers me that you have to, like, you literally have to tell people not to rape other people. Like, that just seems so, like, commonplace. But, I mean, we still are that fallen. But the second thing is that that we, present day we, don't think that Leviticus laws are applicable to us, and they are. And I mean, these are two things, the two big things that drive me insane because amongst, like, crazy interpretations and people talking you know, about Leviticus out of context, whatever. I've learned a lot of why God placed certain laws on the people in Leviticus is a lot about mercy and a lot about alleviating pain or difficulty. So it's things like Papa doesn't want us to have like premarital sex or extramarital sex because it literally ruins lives. He claims that women are unclean during their menstruation to give them a ruddy break from being used constantly for the needs of men. He talks to us about bodily discharge so that people of the time can keep themselves safe and you know don't get other people sick and they they don't have medicine. They don't have the the, the resources to keep themselves safe and so God has to tell them train. God has to tell them, dude, if you have discharge from your body, which, I mean, let's talk about how uncomfortable of a word discharge is. Goodness gracious. If you have discharge from your body, you're unclean. Everything you touch is unclean. Like, burn the house down, basically. Like, they they had to be told this because they didn't know. So, my point is that, like, Papa lays out what he wants us to do. He gives us step-by-step instructions. He's done it from the very beginning. Now, we're released from the old law, but that doesn't mean that they don't have value it's a double negative it's tricky it means that they're they're still valuable in our time so even though they may not be entirely applicable to us or because we've been released from the old law doesn't mean that they're not super important to how we live and that there there's still so many good lessons in them to be true to how jesus lived so of them, my favorite, which is Leviticus twenty-five seventeen. Therefore, you shall not oppress or mistreat one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. 
So Jesus tells us that the two big commandments are to love God and to love each other. And God set us up with this love each other idea like way before Moses even brought the Jews home. We could talk about love until Moses brings the Jews home. That was horrible. <laughs> oh, Christian jokes. Anyway, that's that's humility in action, right? This love each other concept that we've had since Leviticus that Jesus literally came out and was like, you gotta love each other. Loving each other like Jesus loves each of us treating other people like jesus would treat them demonstrating the fruits of the spirit in action not just like in prayer intercession or music or talent but literally in how you treat people how you talk to people how you think about people now next episode <laughs> tune in to the next episode where i get on a soapbox about how we treat people but that's that's for the next episode that's my testimony that's something that's going on in my life for now i want to stick to what humility looks like in our lives so again, I want to reiterate this point. Humility is being who God intends you to be. Humility is being just like Jesus. So you're like, all right, HL, how? Where do we start? So I just started talking about the way that we look and treat and think about other people, but that's not the beginning. The beginning, the very start of humility is repentance. So we use the word repent a lot in the Christian context, but I don't think that we ever really discuss what repentance is. Um, you know, kind of by like a church standpoint, repentance is just telling God that you messed something up, right? What repentance definition-wise is, is to feel or express great remorse about one's wrongdoings. So what I find interesting about the word repentance is that it starts with the prefix prefix what it starts with the prefix re as in redo remix re blah 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 which usually means to do again and re also is an element meaning back to the original or anew so repentance starts with back to the original or anew which is followed with uh latin influences that include to make sorry or to regret and actually in, in older periods in old english there was no difference between the words regret and repent. They're actually the same word. What repentance is, is a realization of regret. It's a realization that you're sorry. It's the moment when you realize, oh no, I totally snuckered this up. Like this, this is something that I did wrong. It's that, what? It's that new realization of I haven't been up to standard and I've done this incorrectly and in the context usually of how we think about repentance it's I haven't done this God's way or I haven't looked for God's will in this situation. What repentance does is it helps us realize where we've gone wrong and then totally own up to it. It's the beginning of the process of moving through the guilt, the regret, and the sorry, and then you're returned anew. I, I'm really sticking with this point of this word repentance starting with the word re, because you're brought into a new light in how you think about what you've done. It's, it's a realization that you've done it wrong, but what's beautiful about God is that he doesn't want you to feel shame about it. I'm going to get to that in a second your mind is already created a new understanding that you've done something wrong and then what's beautiful about repentance when you bring that to god when you bring that to the cross you're 
washed of it, and then created anew. So from beginning to end, the action, the movement, the response of repentance is to create you anew and to start over and to work on it and to be better. Touched on this for a second, God never wanted us to feel shame. I mean, from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve, can you imagine? Let's just think, what, cat? Really? Uh-huh. She has a lot to say about the Garden of Eden. Please don't fall off the bed. In the very beginning, think about this for a second. Think about this in the context of your life. Would you go to work stark naked? That's that's a big fat no. That pause right there was for you to go, oh no, because that's what I would do. There's not a chance in the world. Like, I get self-conscious on the beach, and I work out, like, a lot. So... <laughs> What's funny to me is that, what's funny, what's interesting, you know what I mean by funny. What's interesting to me is that Adam and Eve were just chilling in the garden, naked, having a great time, kicking it with God, and they never felt ashamed of their bodies or the fact that they were naked. And then the first thing that happens when they eat of the fruit is that they realize that they're naked and they feel ashamed. When God created us, when he made us in his image, he never wanted us to feel shame. He never wanted us to have low self-esteem or low self-worth or low self-efficacy. God never wanted us to feel like we aren't worthy. But what God has done is ask us to own up to our issues and our missteps. And I mean, he does it. It's it's the very thing, the very, one of the very first things he does. So the first, the very first thing he does is ask Adam where he is, right? Right. But one of the first things that he asks of Adam and Eve is, is what did, what did you do? And instead of going, you know, God, I'm sorry I ate from the tree that you told us not to eat from, they blame each other. That's not repentance. They didn't realize that they did anything wrong. They were just feeling the shame about it. And that's where a lot of us get stuck is this this place where we feel shame and we feel awful about something but we don't bring it to god or like we don't even we feel ashamed to even bring it to god like we're we keep that part to ourselves because we're ashamed to own up to it and that's where stuff like shame and low self-worth and low self-esteem comes from is that festering in the evil of the situation there's that feeling deep in you that knows that you did something wrong but you haven't gotten quite to that point where you've realized this is wrong because I haven't done it God's way or really fully understanding that God's asking you to do things this way not because he's punishing you or because he's requiring you to be obedient or because he's testing you but because he wants the best for you let's I'm on a sidetrack this isn't in my notes let's talk about this for a second so I used this example the other day when I was talking about my mom so my mother is always right and in like the full like hindsight is 2020 right thing so the example that i gave when i was talking to somebody about it is that i could walk around and ask you know 10 people on the street what color is the sky and they're going to tell me blue the sky's blue and so i go on my merry little way thinking you know the sky is blue everything's wonderful that's how i'm going to construct my life is off this idea that the sky is blue and then i call my mom and i'm like mom everything's awesome the sky is blue and my mom goes no it isn't and i'm like wait i'm sorry like 
literally everyone is telling me the sky is blue. Like, I can see it. You know, I, I full-blown agree that the sky is blue. I believe it. And my mom goes, no, no, the sky is clear. And then it reflects the water. So the sky isn't blue. The sky is clear and it's reflecting. And I'm like, mom, please. Like, there's no way. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to continue believing that the sky is blue. And then I end up at like a class at Harvard or something where I'm sitting down and there's a scientist, like the super smart person that's like, oh, by the way, the sky is clear. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, now I have actual physical evidence that the sky is clear and I went all this way and all this time thinking that the sky was blue and I totally set myself up for failure like no wonder I look like such a prat because I I went on believing my own way so dude this cat is so talkative right now what come here come here noodle what's going on tell mommy what's up oh my is that right uh-huh do you have to walk all over my notes she doesn't have to walk all over my notes she just has to lay on them anyway i kind of carried this concept over to god right so my mom is like you know the sky is clear she knows she's gonna tell me the truth because she knows that's what i need in the moment whether or not i agree with it whether or not i believe it is my own thing and then i go through the motions I I do the thing that I thought was right and it turns out that the sky was clear the entire time and if I had just listened to my mom in the first place like I wouldn't have looked so stupid and I wouldn't have done things so wrong and I wouldn't have had to go through the hurt and the pain and the what have you and if I had just taken her at her word you know the sky is clear then I would have saved myself so much trouble and so many issues and I feel that way about God so God, God is the father. God is the ultimate father. He is he's the best father you've ever had. He's the best mother you've ever had. He's the best family member you've ever had. He's the best, best friend you've ever had. Like, and there's everything that you could possibly need and want in life. God is. But he's also this fountain of truth, right? And so if you bring something to God and you say, God, the sky is blue. And God goes, no, honey, the sky is clear. The sky just reflects the water of the ocean, it's not because he's trying to punish you or make you feel dumb. Meow! It's because he's trying to tell you the greater good. And he's trying to tell you the truth. So there are so many times where we, we bring something to God or we don't bring anything to God. And we don't allow him to move through that. Or we bring something to God and we go, God, the answer is X. And he goes, no, honey, the answer is Y. And you're like, God... You know, like, why Why would we not believe him? Dude, he's the creator of the universe. And he's never failed us. There are times that we've failed him and we've made poor decisions and that uh, repercussions come back on us, but that's us. That's not God. This is my, this is my... Wow! So this is my uh, semi-sidetrack here to understand that... To understand that to bring anything to God is to bring something into complete clarity and that god always has the right answer he's the best father in the entire world he always has the right answer so anything that you have any issue with to bring it to god 
it, it doesn't matter what it is it's like for me it's my sexuality like for a really long time i wasn't honest with me about my sexuality so i wasn't honest with god about my sexuality and then when i brought that to god and i, I brought that to the cross it, he he didn't punish me for it you know he didn't sit there and go well hl i told you i told you that you were wrong like why didn't you listen what's wrong with you he said okay great let's work on it so this is a little blurb on the side here that god isn't here to tell you that you're stupid for thinking that the sky is blue okay god is here to go no baby the sky is clear and when you come around and you understand that the sky is clear and you come to him and you go papa i'm so sorry the sky is clear he's gonna go yeah it is now what so this is i don't know who this is for but if it's for you you're welcome um that part of you that you're hiding from god there's no reason to be ashamed of it uh first of all he built you he already knows he's followed you every footstep of your life he knows every hair on your head you're so worthy to him of course he's going to keep track of what's going on but he knows you he he already knows that you did the thing or you had the thought or you whatever he knows but you bringing it to him is humility we're getting back onto the notes here god has always asked us asked us to own up to our issues and to our missteps and the first thing that adam and eve did was blame each other instead of just go yeah god we ate from the tree i'm sorry notice that that adam and eve never actually repent of what they did they just blame each other and then they don't move on their kids kill each other they you know fester in the world instead of prospering in the world so what god wants us to do is ask him into things he wants us to own up to our issues he wants us to own up to our discretions that's all he asks of israel for centuries he waits for them for so long to just repent to come back to him and they don't god wants us to understand that we have free will not only to make mistakes but to come to him about those mistakes and to ask for his help and to receive it i want you to know that all of those things asking for his help receiving his help coming to him about your mistakes coming to him about your transgressions coming to him about things that you're you're ashamed of and you're worried about there's no condemnation in god i'm sorry there's no condemnation in jesus he you, you and he are fine no matter what you're doing but as long as you include god in the conversation as long as you pursue god in what you're doing that's what really matters to ask for his help to receive it these are actions that we take in order to pursue god so we start with repentance because the second part of repentance is rebuilding the first part is owning up to your crap and the second part is building off of it so i've said this a couple times that god just goes okay great what's next so we often ask god to move we ask god you know move in this place move in our hearts holy spirit have your way and the truth is that without repentance god doesn't have room to move but once we repent, once we're humble, that's when God is able to bless us because we've opened that area up to him. He's not going to barge into our lives. That's, that's the whole point is that he created us to have perfect relationship with him so that we can choose him every day. He's not going to just take over our lives. He's not going to command us to love him. That's not love. He's going to ask us to love him every day. The only way that he can move in our lives is if we make space for him in our lives the only way that he can walk into a room is if you open the door and repentance is opening that door 
And then once God is in that door, he's in that room, then he can start working on it. Then he can start moving that room around. He can start moving that furniture around. He can start painting the walls. You know, unless we invite him in, there's no work to be done. There's no movement to be done. When he does his greatest works is where our testimony begins. When we ask him, you know, God, come into this room and help me, help me fix this. That's where your testimony begins. And I want you to hear me right now. Do not destroy your past. Do not wish to destroy your past because your past is the beginning of your testimony. Your past is your testimony. What would your story be without the foundation of your past to build it upon? What would the movement that God has done in your life be without you owning your past, owning your faults, and realizing that you need to make space for him, repenting and making that space? That's what humility looks like to open that door, to understand that you mess something up and then be receptive of what's next to rebuild to create something anew to let god move in your life you can't just ask him to move and then keep the door closed in order to fully see what god can do in your life you have to open yourself up you have to brace yourself for shame because that's what this world prepares us for is to to own something to tell somebody you know i've done this thing i've done bad things i've been a bad person and then go wow you have been a bad person i don't need to be with you anymore i don't need to be around you anymore i don't need to spend time with you god is never gonna do that because that's how he loves you that's how he treats you so what we need to do is start treating people like that we move on to how we treat people we treat people like jesus would treat them we honor everyone as Jesus would honor them. We refuse to see the bad in people. We refuse to refuse people. We're inclusive. We're kind. We're generous. A big piece of humility is giving. Giving of your money, of your time, of your headspace. Bearing witness for another person is probably one of the most difficult things in the entire world to do. But it is such a gift for someone else. Just to be there. And not even it's not even an experience where you, you have to listen or you have to do anything. Just to share a space with somebody. And be there with them. Train. This is a three train episode. So far. Choo choo! Chugga 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 chugga. Woo woo! Name that movie, go. Oh, <laughs> where was I? Um, bearing witness for another person. Just being there. You don't even have to do anything. You just have to share in that moment and that feeling with them and just be there that's it that's such a gift to people people don't even understand like you know when you when you ask about gifts when you ask about offerings it's not just about you know what money can you give i mean i could use ten dollars for gas money right now but that's not what i'm going to ask for i'm going to ask for prayer that's what i need i could use ten dollars for gas but what i need is prayer those are completely different things if someone could offer me ten bucks and i mean you better believe I'm going to take it. But if somebody offers me a prayer or 10 bucks, I'm taking that prayer. Nine times out of 10 until my gas tank is empty. Humility is being present for other people and showing them love and compassion in the best way you can and understanding in the fullest of your capacity. To go further into answering this question of how we become more humble, how we live out who God wants us to be, we look into the fruits of the Spirit. I'm a big fan of the fruits of the Spirit. Thanks, Galatians. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So notice that 
repenting to God covers faithfulness, peace, long-suffering, and self-control. So, owning up to your rubbish, telling God that you need him, is being faithful to him, asking him to help you out. Owning your rubbish, telling God that you need him, is being faithful to him. Asking him to help you, in anything, in the smallest of things. Asking God for help washes you clean of the sin that you're asking about, which gives us peace. Which, by the way, doesn't happen right away, but it comes. So, you repent, you ask God, help me with this, and he does. First of all, he washes you of that sin, and then he helps you move out of that sin, which gives us peace twofold. And again, it doesn't happen day of. You know, when you repent, there should be a a moment where you feel God's presence and you feel that, that shift in yourself. And if you don't, you should probably be pursuing it a little bit harder because there's a shift of heart there. There's a softness of heart there. That's peace. That's what that feels like. Long-suffering is defined as showing patience in spite of troubles, which I also believe ties into faithfulness, that trusting that God loves you, forgives you, and is doing work in you when chaos seems to be looming at every point. That's long-suffering. That's being patient and being faithful, knowing that God has your back no matter what's going on. Knowing that you can bring anything to God and he's going to forgive you and then he's going to help you move forward with it. That's long-suffering. Yo! Trains on trains on trains! What even is Friday? Friday, Friday, cookie dinner, Friday. Self-control. The ability to control one's desires or expressions in one's behaviors. So repenting, owning your rubbish is the ultimate sign of self-control, while also being the ultimate ownership that you have no self-control. Hear me now. This one's fun. We live in a fallen world, and temptation is so, so ruddy easy. We live in a fallen world that tells us that you have to look and talk and act and eat a certain way in order to be halfway decent, in order to be halfway worthy, and it's really difficult to move against that. It's all around us. We are sieged by the world. We're not just surrounded by the world. We are sieged by the world. We are sieged by temptation. We are sieged and infiltrated by sin. And sometimes we aren't strong enough to do it. We aren't strong enough to stand against it. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we sin. We say that mean word or we think that intrusive thought and we don't mean to but we do and because we we lack so much self-control because there's not a piece of us that can go oh don't think that thought before we think that thought there's not a piece of us that goes oh this is wrong until you're in the middle of it and you're like oh man this was a bad idea it's hard to identify all the time because we live in a fallen world we live in such a sinful world look around for a second about how much materialism how much celebrity is around i mean we have a celebrity in the white house right now you want to talk about a fallen world dude we lack so much self-control and it's a process to be able to identify those habits to identify those thoughts and move out of them you know it starts slow it starts with with realizing first of all that you're having the thought and that it's bad that it's a sin and then you go, oh man, God, I, uh, I don't want to sin. I don't want to think like this. Will you help me out with it? And God goes, yeah, sure. But he's not going to change that overnight. That's a movement of the heart. That's not just, you know, yay, you're fixed. You know, there's no, there's no cure for fallenness other than Jesus. And that's something that you have to pursue every day.
So you have that thought. You have, you have that thought, and then you go, "Oh man, I had the thought again. God help me." And then, you know, a little bit later, you can can hear yourself almost having the thought, and you go, "No, no, no! Don't have that thought. We don't need to think about that." And then it becomes habitual that you don't think about it, and you move through that sin, and you don't have to be victim to that thought anymore. You don't have to be victim to that sin anymore. Moving out of them starts with repentance. It starts with inviting God into the situation, into the discussion, into the decision making. It starts by literally saying to God, dude, I I have no self-control. I sinned again. I did it again. I'm lacking in self-control. God, please help me. But notice that repentance is an action. It's a behavior. And that's the beginning of changing your action, changing your mindset, changing your behaviors because you're controlling yourself and your behavior enough to own up to what you've done and what you need to change. What do they say? The first step to fixing a problem is realizing that there's a problem. So you start there. Yo, this background music of this siren, 10 out of 10. Would recommend for all podcasts. Welcome to Massachusetts. Self-control, right? It's when you say, you know, God, I have no self-control. Like, I, I know that this thing is a sin and I want to move out of it. That God helps you to identify that thing sooner. That God helps you to pursue the opposite of that thing sooner. And that God helps you to move out of that space sooner. But you got to bring it to him. That's when God can start to shift your heart, soften your heart, work and remold your heart into one that fosters and develops self-control. We talked about how we treat others, which touches on love, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Excuse me, cat. I mean, that, that one's pretty much covered. You guys, you guys know what I mean by that, right? Love each other, be kind to each other, be good to each other, be gentle to each other. It's also applicable to yourself, by the way. This isn't in my notes. I'm sidetracking. You should want to treat you like Jesus treats you. Allowing the enemy to talk in your head is the purest form of infiltration. And it's hard. I'm going to give you that one. And I'm going to talk about it a lot in the next episode because that's what I've got going on right now. But I want you to understand that this humility in treating others with the highest regard, with the highest respect, with the highest glory also applies to how you treat yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you present yourself. If you have that self-love, if you're kind to yourself, if you're good to yourself, if you're gentle to yourself, it's so much easier to love, be kind, be good, be gentle to other people. I know that you know what I mean by that. If you feel like you need to talk about that one more, please. But what we're left with here is joy. So what about joy? Joy, as is cliche as it sounds is in God. Fostering a relationship with God, seeking God. We become what we worship, what we spend time with, what we spend time in. Papa made us for a perfect relationship. That was the whole point of making humankind in in the beginning. Because of the fall, there's sin in this world and it's really, really hard to have a perfect relationship with other people and hard to have a perfect relationship with God. But what's great about God is uh, Hebrews 13.8. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
he still wants that perfect relationship he still loves you as deeply as he did before you were born and he will after you join him it's the same yesterday when you were sinning today when you repented tomorrow when you're moving out of that sin it's the exact same the whole time He is the source of all things that are good and all things that are beautiful and all things that are joyful. And it is only in the relationship with him and relationships that are blessed by him and his presence that we can see joy. So I'm not saying that you can't have joy in things that you do. So I struggle with depression a lot and sometimes the greatest place that I find joy is in nature. When I'm standing next to a waterfall or I see a pretty flower or I'm out on my paddleboard but that's still an experience with God God made those things you know God's the greatest artist of all time so it's still an experience with God I'm still sharing that moment with God that's still me connecting with creation with God that's that's his purpose for me is to have perfect relationship with him with other people with creation and so having that relationship with creation, like being out on my paddleboard and finding joy, is finding joy in God. Because he created that good thing. He created that beautiful thing. It's in those situations that his presence is palpable. And sometimes we just don't even notice it. Like those moments that you're in awe. Like it's at a concert, dude. When like your favorite band is playing your favorite song and you're so in awe of this moment. Like, oh man, how am I here right now? That's a God moment watching kids laugh and play in a fountain that's a god moment being out on my paddleboard at five o'clock in the morning with a cup of coffee that's a god moment sitting in church and repenting that's a god moment they're all god moments they're all pieces of this relationship that we foster in him you know being with somebody that you love just so madly it's not even funny like i (laughs) i'm gonna geek out for half a second about this man so um, a dear friend of mine and I, what? Myself and a dear friend of mine, sure, are looking at pursuing a relationship. Um, it's something that we've been spending a lot of time with each other and with God about. And just the, the conversations that we're able to have about God or the conversations that we're, <laughs> we have in general. Like, I find such joy being around him and conversating with him and and I do absolutely find joy in our relationship and that's because it has a foundation on God and that's because we invite God into every part of it that's because I pray for him and he prays for me and we pray for our situation and we pray for our relationship that's because God is at the heart of exactly everything we do that's a joyful relationship for me there are going to be pieces of that that are not joyful because I'm human and he's human and that's what happens but You know, all these things, all these wonderful, beautiful things that we experience are all things that God created us to experience and then created for us to experience. All things that come from God are good. And in order to understand in his his path, his life for us, we need to be close to him and to hear him and to obey him. We have to, to steep ourselves in his presence. Joy comes from obedience. Joy comes from connection. And joy, ultimately, it comes from humility. Because humility is being who God truly wants you to be. In order to be who God truly wants you to be, you need to be more like Him. And to be more like Him, you need to spend more time with Him. To be more like Him, you need to repent. Realize how you're not like Him and ask Him to help you with it. 
work in the Holy Spirit today, dude. Understand, seek, explore what Jesus would do in whatever situation you're in. What would he say? How would he address someone? How would he address the situation? Ask for guidance. Ask about everything. Simple things. God, should I have mac and cheese or a bowl of cereal for dinner? Nothing is too small for God. Nothing is too large for God. You can bring God the worst thing you've ever done. Whether it's drinking or it's drugs or it's sex or it's your sexuality or it's just that that horrible thought that you had. God wants to be part of everything. You can bring him the big stuff and you can bring him just the, the small stuff just as much. He delights in leaning on him. The fact that we ask him to be part of the conversation, part of the process, part of the decision making. He delights in it. That's his whole purpose. That's our whole purpose. Is to be in that relationship with God where you go, God... Should I get Cheez-Its or should I get Doritos? Like, so, so simple. The simplest of things. He wants to be part of everything. We choose that. He gives us the will to choose that. And in choosing that, that's an everyday process. That's why being a Christian is... What? That's why being a Christian isn't an easy thing. It's a process. It's a dedication. So we need to open up. We need to be humble before him. We need to treat people as he would. Treat ourselves as he would. And foster the kind of self-control and kindness and goodness and dedication that he has in ourselves in order to become the person that he's called us to be. At the end of the day, the more we foster the person he's called us to be, the more that we are like Jesus, the more humble we are. And it's the same way opposite. The more humble we are, the more we're like Jesus, the more we foster the person that he's called us to be. Because after all, humility is being known for who God intends you to be. <laughs> hey, if you um if you need to talk about anything, if you need a safe space, if you need somebody to lean on, if you need a choo choo train. How many is that now? Is that five? Yo. If you need a choo choo train, I honestly have an abundance of choo-choo trains. Um, I mean, I have a lot going on, so I'm about to podcast my bum off about that. But if you have something going on, if you have testimony that you need to speak to somebody about, I'm here. Happily. Just like Jesus23 at gmail.com. Um, find me on Instagram, baby.devs. I just think it's so important to to process through things with other people and that's kind of what I'm doing here is is processing through things but I know that this was uh this was like a miniature sermon today and I'm really convicted about this and I've moved through it pretty heavily over the past couple weeks and I know this this kind of seems like I have a lot of stuff figured out but in the next episode I'm not gonna have very much figured out and i'm not sure if i'm gonna record that today or tomorrow but i'm gonna post it pretty soon after i post this one so you're gonna get two episodes in succession and then i i'm gonna be able to form some sort of schedule god please help me form a schedule push yourself today get out of your comfort zone work in the holy spirit today um i love you be good i chill out what